How many of you always get exactly what you want? Yeah. And expect. Right? Once in a while. I I think life is sort of like uh, when you're on a road trip and you need a rest area and the next sign is not how far the rest area is. You're hoping the next sign will tell you how long you have to wait, but it doesn't. It says something else, something helpful, like who cleans up the side of the highway. That's what those signs say. Anyway, last week we're, we talked a little bit about John the Baptist and, and the coming of the Lord and what that means for us today. We're going to follow that up with John the Baptist unhappy because he's not gotten what he expected. As we wait for the coming of uh, the recoming of our king, if you will. How about your expectations of who Jesus is and what he's going to do? Has he got as he filled out and finished what you were expecting and hoping for? A little different, right? Maybe, maybe um, I want to say, coming, to, coming and meeting Jesus, I've gotten something different than what I expected. But it was more and better than I was hoping for because I had sort of the wrong view. Have any of you ever got something that was more or better than you expected? Yeah? How about we just, we're going to practice this a couple of times today. We're going to say more and better. More and better. Okay, thank you for that. I put my glasses someplace. Right here, where they'd be handy. Jesus, okay, let's get to the talk. We're, we're at Matthew 11, and Jesus and John the Baptist. Are you ready for this? When Jesus had finished giving these instructions to his 12 disciples, he went out to teach and preach in towns throughout the region. Do you know what Jesus had just finished doing? Sending the disciples out to heal and preach his coming and do all that. That's the, the disciples going out and, and into the towns, and he does all this other stuff. If they accept you, be welcome. If they don't accept you, brush the dust of your feet off. This is that moment when he finished that, sending them out, John the Baptist, who was in prison, in this case, clearly not getting what he was expecting, heard about all of this and what the Messiah was doing, and he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for somebody else? Now, I want to say just really quickly this is almost a little bit of a continuation of, I don't know if you remember in John 3.30, Jesus has been baptized and his disciples are baptizing and people are starting to go to Jesus to be baptized. And as John's disciples say, he's baptizing more than you are. Little rivalry thing going on there. I thought we were the show. And he says, he must increase. I must decrease. And, and, and so we've got this sort of spot in our lives 
I just want to rest in this moment when we're thinking, this is what's going to happen with Jesus, and then it doesn't happen exactly the way we hope for. Ever been unhappy you didn't get what you wanted? Right. I grew up with this. You get what you get, and you don't throw a fit. That was at somebody else's birthday party. Right? If you don't get nothing, it's okay. It's their day, not yours. Now, I, I remember, though, when our kids were young, it was starting to be gift bags for all the people coming to the birthday party. So if you came to a birthday party, you got gifts, too. Now it's sort of morphed into everybody gets something. And what, what do you do with the other kid at your birthday? At, at your, like, we had two kids when it was Alex's birthday, what do you do with Marika? What do you do with the other kid? Do you have birthday presents for them now? Or do you get what you get and you don't throw a fit? Or when you're coming with Jesus, do you begin to have a spot where you begin to learn how to long for what God has for you as opposed to what you wanted God to have for you? It's quite a different thought, isn't it? I really want to do this for God. And he says, but I would really like you to do this. And I made you to do that. Might not be as glamorous as you were hoping for, but it's bigger in the kingdom. It's a misunderstanding. As we keep going in the text, Jesus told them, go back to John and tell him what you've heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. And he added, God blesses those who don't fall away because of me. Look, there's this text, but I want to talk, I, I, I just want to, I'm going to do just a little bit more reading than I normally do. I want to read um, Isaiah 35, 1 through 11 as well, because this is a text they would have known. But what was John actually expecting? Have you thought that through for a second? When he's in a prison cell and he's, he's in the midst of despair and he has not gotten what he expected, isn't he the new Elijah? Yes. But Elijah had this great, huge moment in the sun where, where God triumphs over the false prophets and they, and they cleanse the land and all this stuff. And the very next moment, he's running because the queen is going to kill him. And he runs out into the wilderness and, and God meets him there and he says, says to Elijah, why are you here? Well, they're going to kill me. Yeah, I heard that, but why are you here? I didn't, didn't I just protect you? I've, I've got you. But here's, here's the story. This is the hope for restoration that's coming. This is from Isaiah 35. It's 1101 in your Bible, if you want. Even the wilderness and the desert will be glad in those days. The wasteland will rejoice and blossom with spring crocuses. 
Yes, there will be an abundance of flowers and singing of joy. The desert will become green as the mountains of Lebanon and as lovely as Mount Carmel and the plain of Sharon. The Lord will display his glory, the splendor of our God. It, with this news, strengthen those who have tired hands and encourage those who have weak knees. That might be me. Say to those with fruitful hearts, be fearful hearts, be strong and do not fear. For your God is coming to destroy your enemies and he is coming to save you. And when he comes, he will open the eyes of the blind and unplug the ears of the deaf. The lame will leap like deer. Does this sound sort of like Jesus' response to John the Baptist? It should. The lame will leap like deer, and those who cannot speak will sing for joy. The springs will gush forth in the wilderness. The streams will water the wasteland. The parched ground will become a pool. The springs of water will satisfy the thirsty land. Marsh grass and reeds and rushes will flourish where desert jackals once lived. And a great road will go through that once deserted land, and it will be named a highway of holiness. Evil-minded people will never travel on it. It will be only for those who walk in God's ways. So what was John the Baptist expecting since the word of God has this in here, but what were, what were the people of Israel looking for? Because, by the way, they were looking for the Messiah to come. They were, they were essentially, they had bated breath. They were on the edge of their seat. They were, everybody was Messiah crazy. But they sort of missed this Jesus coming because they were looking for something else. What were they looking for? Were they looking for a new Caesar or something like that? No, I'm not, I don't think so. I think they were looking because here's, there's a clue in the text. It goes like this when Jesus fed the 5,000 and he went around the lake. They came around to make him king at that moment. So one of the signs they were looking for was food in the desert. Let me ask you this. Does that remind you of any massive figure in Israel's past? Moses, maybe? Moses and Joshua, who set up a kingdom of God. And so what they were looking for was a new Moses, right? A guy who would come in and shake the whole temple and change the thing and set up a Jewish state and be pure and holy people. And their experiences in this were, were during, during what's recorded in the Maccabean time was that it would take a revolution. It would take heavy fighting to do that, that, that you'd have to go through a lot of purifying rituals to do that thing. And so when John the Baptist, growing up in this culture, he's looking for this. He's looking for the, the resurgence of a Jewish state that is essentially run by a prophet king sort of figure and a purified land that's theirs. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began talking about him to the crowds. What kind of man did you go into the wilderness to see? He's talking about John. Was he a weak reed swayed by every breath of wind? 
Or were you expecting to see a man dressed in expensive clothes? No. People with expensive clothes live in palaces. Were you, were you looking for a prophet? Yes, but he is more than a prophet. He is, John is the man of whom the scriptures would say, look, I'm sending a messenger ahead of you. He will prepare the way. I tell you the truth, All of all who lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. Yet even the least of the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Look, this is not a statement about whether John the Baptist is saved or not. What this is a statement about is without the Spirit of God, this is the zenith. This is as good as you get. This is the acme, the pinnacle. That's as big a deal as you can get. But once you've got the kingdom of God inside you or the Spirit of God living inside you, you're greater than anything the earth can do. You ever heard that before? Have you ever heard this? That once you accept Jesus, you've stepped into a different category of being. It's not, it's it's like this statement that we often think of ourselves as tall or fast or strong. Don't we? Humans, we we do great things. I have one question for you. When we send a rocket to to the moon or something like that, how come we still use horsepower as the measuring device? Isn't that strange? How many horses does it take to get the rocket to the moon? That's what horsepower means. This is the work that seven horses can do or 700 million horses. At some point, wouldn't we have a different category of other than horsepower? It's because we think we're strong. We think we're fast, right? The world's fastest person runs 100 meters this fast. The speed of light moves before they can hear the gun. See, we think we're fast, but we're on the wrong. The human scale, the human understanding of who we are is the wrong sort of scale. We think we're strong like this. God has authority. You know the difference between strength and authority? God tells the rock to move. It moves itself. He moves in our heart. He says, you go this way, you go. You don't have to be pushed. You don't have to be shoved. You don't. That's the human effort of power. But that's what he's saying essentially about John the Baptist. Of humans, this is as good as it gets. But as soon as you have the Spirit of God in you, you have transcended that thing. You are beyond that moment. You're starting to use a different scale. We're not in inches anymore. We're in light years. How many inches in a light year? I don't know. I didn't do that calculation. But why would you do that? I'm reminded we were watching a show the other day, and and the the guy was in a biology lab, and he was told to count the the cells in the petri dish, and he was counting, and he was at 336. And she, and the boss came in and said, How, "Where are you at?" And he goes, "I'm doing good. I'm doing all right." And then he looks back down. And he goes, "Shoot, one, two, right." When you use the wrong scale, John the Baptist is as good as it gets until 
Jesus comes. See, we do this thing, and I need to say this very carefully to you. We need to get more and better. More and better. Say that with me again. More and better. What? What do we mean? They wanted the kingdom of God restored. Yes, that's what Jesus was doing, just not the way they expected. Do you remember that when he's in front of Pilate, he says this, my kingdom is not of this earth. It's measured on a different scale than the way earth measures kingdoms. What was he doing? Why did he say the lame walk, the blind see, the deaf hear? Because he's restoring the image of God in the people. Because in order for God's kingdom to reign on earth, God's image has to be correct. This is the problem of being human, is that when we worship the wrong thing, we begin to look like the wrong thing we worship. And if we worship little idols made out of wood, hay, and stone, or whatever it is, then our ears stop working because little sculptures of people made out of wood don't hear. I have a head, I've got a... Uh, a sculpture of Jesus in my office made out of olive wood. It's gorgeous, but its eyes don't see and its ears don't hear. And when we worship that stuff, we become just like it with non-functioning stuff. We don't see the spiritual. We need to transcend that category. But what he's doing is he's literally reestablishing the image of God. The kingdom of God is coming to be not in the might of armies and not in the iron wheels of chariots, but in the hearts of the people. My kingdom is not of this earth. But he's reestablishing the image of God. He's cleansing the image, right? He's, the, the lepers are made clean and, and sins are forgiven and all of these things. So he's actually doing what John the Baptist thinks that he should do, right? He wants a Jewish state. He wants the kingdom of God, but he thinks that means that there's going to be a king in Jerusalem that runs the land and the land's pure, and there are no foreigners there. But what he's getting is the image of God restored, a purified people of God that are forgiven, and the rule, the good news preached. That actually is what John was looking for, in a different set of scales, not inches, but light years different, more and better, more and better. So what do we do? We need to learn how to read the signs and understand that our old measurements of scale and, and the way that we look at things are not the new way. We don't live in that world anymore once Jesus comes to live amongst us. He didn't just proclaim a change. He made such a change that the old system of measurements are useless. Can you imagine trying to measure the distance to the moon with a yardstick? See, it just doesn't work. It's the wrong device. We need a more, better device. We just need to understand that what the world actually needs is people actually representing God's image in the world. 
not their own human image, but what God put us here to do. We need the true image of God restored for his kingdom. It's at work. It's coming. It's coming now. But what is that kingdom like? This is not a new thing, but if I were to say this, it's right here on the front of my podium. God says, what is it that I expect of humans, Micah 6.8? To love justice, to do mercy, and to walk humbly. Micah 6.8. That's what's on the front of this. That's what's expected. That's the measuring stick of the kingdom. Not how many chariots and armies and, and battle ships and aircraft carriers and none of that. That is, the, that is the human expression of might that all is basically boiled down to king of the mountain and I can push you off the top. The human expression of power and strength and authority is that he's actually in charge. He doesn't have to push people around to make his point. He heals, restores, and all of that. What are your expectations of the coming kingdom? What should they be? Is there a spot you should be living into those expectations a little bit? Maybe looking for more and better, but in a different way than you've been experiencing them? As we await his second coming, Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the way you move in our hearts, but not just move in our hearts, the way you sweep us clean and make us into your image ever more and better. We thank you, Lord Jesus. In your precious name, amen.